Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 388. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm bringing you a conversation about burnout. In this interview with my guest, Melissa Wesner, who's also a friend of mine, we talked about how many therapists and other helping professionals are feeling really worn down after the experiences of the past few years. And it's not only us helping professionals who are feeling this way. Many people are feeling burned out. So we shared an assessment tool. First, we talked about what the issue is, and then we shared an assessment tool that you will hear me go through the questions and tell you how to score it. There's also a video recording of this that's available on Facebook and I'll upload it to YouTube as well. But we talked about basically how to assess burnout, compassion fatigue, secondary trauma, and how to create a plan to address it. If you don't have that problem, and you could make your plan about preventing it. This episode is very experiential. So if you want to see the burnout measure that we're using, you can look for this video on YouTube on the Therapy Chat channel. And if you're not already going there, I'd love for you to follow and subscribe to my YouTube channel because starting soon, our video episodes will be released there 
as well in full. So there are already clips and the full episodes will be released on YouTube starting soon. I'm going to make an announcement about that pretty soon. So stay tuned for that. So let me tell you about my guest. My guest today is Melissa Wesner. Melissa Wesner, LCPC, is the founder of LifeSpring Counseling Services, a group practice in Maryland that strives to provide hope, healing, and empowerment through the collaborative process of therapy. Melissa is also a certified brain spotter and a brain spotting consultant who offers brain spotting intensives to leaders, executives, and small business owners. She's looking forward to hosting a six-day retreat for small business owners in April 2024 in Costa Rica. So I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Melissa. And we both shared a lot of resources, which will also be in the show notes. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Laura. And hi, everybody on Facebook and LinkedIn. We are bringing you a little free workshop event called Breaking Out of Burnout. I'm Laura Reagan. I'm the host of Therapy Chat Podcast and the founder of Trauma Therapist Network and a group practice psychotherapy, group psychotherapy practice owner in Maryland. And I'm here with my friend and colleague, Melissa. Melissa, why don't you tell everybody more about who you are? Hi, everybody. My name is Melissa Wessner. I am a licensed clinical professional counselor and I'm the founder of LifeSpring Counseling Services. We're a group practice in the three out of Baltimore County, but we work with individuals across the state of Maryland to work through things like depression, anxiety, trauma. We love brain spotting. And Laura and I just happened to be chatting recently and kind of catching up on what's going on in our own lives. And we started talking about trends that we were noticing and what started as just a conversation to catch up really is how we ended up here today having this conversation with all of you. Yeah, exactly. And even just to amplify the point, so what we're going to talk about today is what we're seeing in ourselves and other therapists we know, because we both interact with a lot of other therapists around the country and locally, and how we can really measure and get a, a clear, realistic picture of how we are impacted by secondary traumatic stress, vicarious trauma, compassion fatigue, burnout. People call it a lot of different things. And some of those, some of those words might feel better to you than others. But the real point is that we're all human. We all have our own emotions and our own personal lives that impact us on top of the work we do as helping professionals. And we're going to talk about that and then guide you through a process of reflecting on where you are and coming up with a plan to either prevent or address the way you're impacted by this exposure. And as we were planning this, I would have been promoting it a lot last week because we set this up more than two weeks ago. I would have been promoting it a lot. And in my personal life, something came up that really derailed me. And it's an example of what I think we're all talking about. So between the time that you and I, Melissa, decided that we were going to do this and when it's actually happening, my mom, who's in her mid-80s, had a 
heart procedure scheduled and it's supposed to be something very minor. But as it got closer, it was scheduled kind of suddenly. And as it got closer, day by day, I found it moving from the back of my mind to very much in the forefront of my mind. I was preoccupied. And when the actual day came, which was Friday, a few days ago, I was literally like, I was shaking, I was sweating. And I wasn't there where she is, which is five hours away. And I knew I didn't really need to be there because it was a routine thing. And I talked to her beforehand. And you know, I'm trusting that it's going to go well, but still my nervous system was having that reaction, even though I didn't want it to. And it very much interfered with how much I was able to focus on all the other stuff that I do and that I need to do for my working life. And then she went through the procedure and everything turned out just fine, which I'm very grateful for. And went to bed that night, Friday night. Now I can breathe. And then Saturday morning, she called me and said that a storm had taken the roof off of their house, part of it. And she was going home from the hospital to recover to that. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? So it's even when it's something that you can't do anything about, we're human and we have feelings and we have reactions to these things. Even if, again, our logical mind says, oh, it'll be okay. I can help in this way. I can make these calls or I can give this support. Still, it's, it's there and it's affecting us. So I don't know if you can relate to how, you know, those kinds of sudden things happen. And then the, in the background, things that are just sort of bubbling under the surface and building. And both of them are really hard to deal with when we're also trying to take care of and support other people with what they're going through in their lives. Yeah. And just him feeling out of control is, is a struggle for us too. I'm thinking about right. a time when I ended up managing a friend of mine's estate. I'm a therapist. I work with therapists at the time. They were my friends. And I was telling them that about what was happening as I'm managing the estate and I'm dealing with these people who are involved in the estate. And I was like, I'm, I'm having these heart palpitations. And my friends were like, well, do you think you could be stressed, Melissa? And I'm like, I've had stress before. I mean, I've been through other stressful things. But, you know, that can't be it, right? But, you know, sure enough, it showed itself that I was in fact having heart palpitations because I was really stressed, right? Sometimes we like don't, you know, think that something is so stressful that it will cause our, our body to respond, but our body has a mind of its own. Exactly. The, our body is feeling it, whether our conscious mind wants that to be true or not. Mm-hmm. If we're having a reaction, we're having a reaction. And that's where I think it's a gift to be in tune with what your body's telling you because it lets you know, hey, something needs attention here. Don't ignore me. <laughs> I'm feeling <laughs> something, you know, but at the same time, it's very inconvenient when you really want to keep going and you have all these other responsibilities and obligations. And I think that's one of the reasons why our work, whether we are therapists in others in the the mental health profession, others in the healthcare profession, other helping professionals and healers, body workers, we are human. We're here to serve and we have our own lives. And What we feel affects us. And it can also, if we're not present to it, it's going to affect the people that we're working with. And that's where 
you know, oftentimes the only thing that makes us focus on our own needs is trying to do better work with the people we serve. But our lives are really important aside from that, even if that's not our job. So it's really, it's really just valuable to pay attention to your own needs and not let those be brushed under the rug. I always say it's like sometimes we are reenacting our childhood where our needs were last and we just tried to focus on someone else so that we could be safe. And I think that comes up for us in our profession quite a bit too. Yeah. And one of the things, Laura, you know, that I've been reflecting on is, you know, in the counseling and social work profession, I would say probably the majority of people are are women or people who identify as female. And just thinking about what we know of women, how women are nurtured and raised, how women make decisions, often thinking about other people and wanting to take care of other people. And that sometimes resulting in putting our own wants and needs on the back burner or feeling guilty for taking care of ourselves, even if logically we know that we need to fill our own cup, put our own oxygen mask on, whatever, you know, analogy people identify with. I think there can still be feelings of guilt for taking time out or feeling, you know, I talked to, you know, some of my clients, you know, people thinking that things have to be so, so, so severe in order to feel justified in taking care of themselves. They must get to this extreme place before it's okay for me to take care of myself. So true. And as therapists, we know that whenever we're in a, a state of thinking, all or nothing. Like, no, there's nothing for me. It's only for other people. Or I can only take care of me when everyone else is already taken care of, which is never because everyone has so many needs. We're all needing so much. So whenever we're feeling that way, to me, that's an indication that we're having a trauma reaction. And in the times of my professional life where I've I've come close to or been at the point of burnout, the most, I would say the way it felt was one, I can't take this anymore. And two, I can't stop what I'm doing because I'm I'm too needed. And if I stop, everything will fall apart. And that's that's just a clue. Rather than proving how indispensable you actually are, it's actually a clue that you need a break. You're not seeing things clearly. Yeah, I think, or once you start daydreaming about like you know, a scenario where you can finally breathe. I was listening to an audio book and I was like, yes, I've heard a, a variation of this before. And in the audio book, the author was talking about how she literally remembers going grocery shopping and daydreaming that maybe she like faints in the grocery store and the ambulance is going to come and take her away. And then people are going to take care of her. Right. And I've heard variations of this, right? Yeah. We're just daydreaming, like, well, maybe if this happens, then I can rest, then I can be cared for. And and just being mindful of when we have these like escape like daydreams or fantasies. Yes. Yes. Because really, if you look at that logically, if you collapse in the grocery store, that's not something that we should be wanting to happen. <laughs> that's a clue that you're really feeling bad if you think things would be better if that happened. And if that's the only way that I feel justified right. in taking care of myself, well, if you faint, clearly you are, you know, ill enough or not well enough to yeah. you definitely deserve to be taken care of. Yeah. So what we were discussing, you and I, was that 
we are talking to a lot of therapists who have a lot of struggles. I know one thing that we've both talked about, and I I wondered if this is where you were going to go. I know it could be another topic for a whole different day, but one of the things about female therapists and female helping professionals dealing with unwanted interactions from people as we put ourselves out there on social media and things like that. You know, you and I both were in another Facebook group today and saw someone posted about that being harassed, being followed or stalked by someone. Sadly, that's not that uncommon. Mm -hmm. So if that is happening in your Mm -hmm. life, while you're also trying to do your job as a therapist, that's going to make it very hard for you to stay present and be grounded and centered while you're doing your work. I don't know if you want to say anything about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about so many scenarios. So even for people who are watching who are not therapists, I think being female in the world, you know, something that is a different experience is walking outside of your door and experiencing catcalling, unwanted attention about your appearance or your clothing. And I think that sometimes we can just accept that as, normal experiences in life until there's a day where we're like, well, actually, not everybody in the world has this experience. There are some people who leave the house and nobody comments on what they look like or what their clothing looks like. And certainly as female therapists, you know, we've spoken about this with other therapists who have received unwanted attention, comment, you know, if ever you've looked for a therapist, psychology today is one of the places you may have looked for a therapist. It's a really common, really popular platform, just like therapy done and some other resources. I received- Trauma Therapist Network. <clears throat> yes, the Trauma Therapist Network, <laughs> right? right? Although what, what I'm putting out there in a minute, hopefully will not happen. Okay, good. It's not a platform. <laughs> You know, but those are resources where you can go and you can look for a therapist who's going to be a good fit for you. It's to seek therapy and to find someone who's a good fit. I've had people reach out and say, hey, I've come across your profile and I was wondering if you would like to meet for coffee. But this is not a dating profile. Right. You know, I liked your smile and you seem kind. Would you want to just talk sometime? No. Yeah. I'm I'm a professional selling a service, not, you know... It is not, it's not, neither yeah, is it available for dating either, so. Right, and if you're a business owner who has to be, who has to put yourself out there for marketing, for advertising, again, whether you're a therapist or you're not a therapist, but, you know, you need to do that for advertising purposes, but sometimes that unwanted attention or the attention that is other than what you are looking for, there's an extra weight to it, right? And and also a need to make sure that you can be safe as well. Very much. And in the same vein, which more, more than not helping professionals are women, but there are many who are not. But another aspect of this that can really be impactful for us right now and, and has always been true, but it's more in people's awareness now is that racism, you know, if you are a person of color, a black person who's experiencing racial trauma day in and day out when you walk out of your house and and you have to deal with that struggle, even as you are on your way to work and when you're at work and in all aspects of your life, that is something that's happening in the background, but it's not in the background. Mm -hmm. It's something that's deeply impactful. And also therapists who are LGBTQ, I know for sure that a lot of therapists who work with people who are trans, non-binary, 
get a lot of online harassment and sometimes mm-hmm. even death threats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, these are, these are some of the things I, that I don't think we normally think about as leading to burnout. But when that is happening in the background and you're trying to do your job as a helping professional, it just adds to the burden that you're carrying as you, as you try to focus on your work. Mm-hmm. Another thing is that I know several therapists right now who have lost a parent recently as a result of, you know, health issues that have gotten exacerbated over the past few years. And a few therapists I know who are pregnant and have lost a parent. So, you know, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of weight that we're all carrying. And and this isn't to be doom and gloom, but just to normalize that this is something that isn't just for therapists who can't cut it or who aren't, you know, strong enough or something like that. This is something that most of us are in some way carrying something along the lines of what we're talking about while we try to, or while we do go out and do very challenging and rewarding work that we love and we're very passionate about. Yeah. And knowing that life happens to all of us, regardless, you know, whatever your professional life happens yep. to all of us, nobody is immune from those things happening. And the thing that I think about those life things you know, especially something like, like death, for example, is like, we don't get to pick the timing of these things, right? Like they happen when they happen, no one's checking with our calendar, right? And so they happen on their timeline and and navigating that and dealing with those things to the best of our ability, but knowing that they're there in the surf in the background. Yep. And, and also making sure that we're taking care of ourselves too, and not, not doing that. I need to take care of everybody else thing, but making sure that we're taking care of ourselves. Exactly. So we were talking about how burnout, compassion fatigue, secondary traumatic stress, which is any exposure to situations that overwhelm your capacity to cope while you are also trying to do your job. You know, I mean, I don't think it's really important to measure it in terms of like, I think it's important to know how it's affecting you, but I don't think it's that important to know, well, is this secondary traumatic stress or is this compassion fatigue? Because what really matters is that it's impacting you and how it's impacting you. So what we want to do is teach you that burnout, compassion fatigue, secondary traumatic stress can impact us in multiple different ways. And there's four domains that are affected by trauma exposure. Here's our fancy high-tech banner. I know, Laura, I am impressed with the tech. Thanks. This is, I've never done this before. So please bear with me. If there's but, a quiz, four. <laughs> yes, there's four domains and they are that we are affected on an emotional level, a physical level, a spiritual level, and a relational level. Those are the four different domains that I think of as how burnout, secondary traumatic stress, compassion fatigue can impact us in our work. And so let's see, timing-wise, Melissa, do you think we should talk about those first or just go into measuring? Maybe we can go into measuring and then chat about them. Yeah. Okay. 
I think too, that even for those who are watching who are not therapists, that you can consider this when you think about your relationship to caregiving. Because, you know, the the dynamics of being a caregiver, whether it's a parent or you are just that person in your family who's always the one who's there for everyone, or you're the one of your friends who everyone comes to when they have a problem and you, you're there to listen and you're very supportive, or if it's your job, this, this can be true either way. So, or in any of those situations. So I have a scale to share with you and I'll show the scale. I'm just going to explain it and read through it. And even if people see this on the recording, you can, you can assess where you are and see what you come up with. So this is the professional quality of life scale, which is called ProQual. And there is a version that you can do online if you look it up. So you don't have to have this paper form or this document to be able to do the assessment if you'd like to just do it online. It's, this is called the compassion satisfaction and compassion fatigue scale. It says, when you help people, you have direct contact with their lives. As you may have found, your compassion for those you help can affect you in positive and negative ways. Below are some questions about your experiences, both positive and negative as a helper. Consider each of the following questions about you and your current work situation and select the number that honestly reflects how frequently you experience these things in the last 30 days. And so for those of you who are familiar with a Likert scale, it's a scale from one to five. In this case, one would be never, two is rarely, three is sometimes, four is often, five is very often. So going through these questions and just asking yourself how often each thing happens. Okay, so I know people can read this for themselves, but just to make it a little bit easier, I'm going to read it and you can put your answers. You can jot this down on a piece of paper or just, you know, even if you don't want to actually score it, but just note note the questions and think about it and see what you come up with. So the first one is, I am happy. And you answer one for never, five for very often, two, three, or four for whatever's in between. And then I am preoccupied with more than one person I help. Number three says, I get satisfaction from being able to help people. And four is, I feel connected to others and thinking about whether this is very often true for you, which would be five, often four, sometimes three, rarely two, or one, never. Question five is, I jump or am startled by unexpected sounds. Six. I feel invigorated after working with those I help. Seven, I find it difficult to separate my personal life from my life as a helper. Eight, I'm not as productive at work because I'm losing sleep over traumatic experiences of of a person I help. Number nine, I think that I might have been affected by the traumatic stress of those I help. Number 10, I feel trapped by my job as a helper. So how much is that true? Never, rarely, sometimes, often, or very often. Number 11, because of my helping, I have felt on edge about various things. Number 12, I like my work as a helper. 13, I feel depressed because of the traumatic experiences of the people I help. 14, I feel as though I am experiencing the trauma of someone I have helped. 15, I have beliefs that sustain me. 16, I am pleased with how I am able to keep up with helping techniques and protocols. 
17, I am the person I always wanted to be. 18, my work makes me feel satisfied. 19, I feel worn out because of my work as a helper. Just to remind you that the options are never, rarely, sometimes, often, or very often. Number 20, I have happy thoughts and feelings about those I help and how I can help them. 21, I feel overwhelmed because my casework or caseload seems endless. Caseload or workload seems endless, I guess. 22 says, I believe I can make a difference through my work. 23, I avoid certain activities or situations because they remind me of frightening experiences of the people I help. 24, I am proud of what I can do to help. 25, as a result of my helping, I have intrusive, frightening thoughts. 26, I feel bogged down by the system. 27, I have thoughts that I am a success as a helper. 28, I can't recall important parts of my work with trauma victims. 29, I'm a very caring person. And the last one is number 30, I'm happy that I chose to do this work. All right. So that just gives you a sense of some of the ways to notice how you may be impacted by exposure through work or just being a caring person who helps others and how it could be impacting you. All right. So then the next part is the scoring. So what you would do for scoring, I'll explain this. And I guess I can actually share my screen again because that'll make it easier. Do you have anything you want to say before I do that? Nope, go for it. But okay. I can't you know if I can see it too. Okay, thank you. Okay, so now actually go to the third page first. This is how to score it. So in this section, you score your test so you understand the interpretation for you. And after you do that part, we will talk about some strategies. Mm -hmm. So taking your answers to each of these questions, and you'll notice that it's not, it's not all the questions. It's not one through 30. It's specific numbers. So taking what you responded for number three, let's say your answer for number three was three sometimes, and you would put a three there if it was five very often and you put a five and if it was one never you put one and so on so first put your answers to each question it's number three six twelve sixteen eighteen twenty twenty two twenty four twenty seven and thirty there and we'll talk about this part the scores after are you scoring yours along with it with us here Melissa? no i wasn't but i was reading along okay <laughs> Okay, so I just want to be sure that I'm not going too fast. On the burnout scale, the second section of the score. So for this part, this is the this is the confusing part, but I don't think it's really that confusing if you just follow this. If there's an asterisk next to the number, then put the reverse score. So if your score for number one was two rarely, you would put two here and then where it says equals, you would switch the two to its opposite, which would be four. So there's reverse scoring. So if it's one, the opposite is five. If it's two, the opposite is four. If it's three, then it's still three. Being tricky. Oh, yeah. So only for the ones that have the asterisk. So you write the original score here and then you kind of convert it by swapping 
the the score for the opposite on this side if it has a an asterisk. And that's because if you answer number one, which is I am happy, if you answer very often and we're measuring burnout, then five is going to translate to one lower on the burnout part. So I'll pause a little bit more for people to do that one, whoever may be following along, whether live or in a recording. There's like a little bit of a lag and I'm on the I'm like, I'm on my phone and I can see it's just, it seems like it's just coming up with this part. So, okay. <laughs> All right. And then for the, the third section, going back to, you're not doing any reverse scoring here. So you just put whatever you had in each section here without flipping it. Add up the total of all these, write it here. Total of all these here, these plus these. So when you add up on the burnout scale, if you had one and you changed it to five, you're only going to add the five, not the one, obviously. I hope that's obvious. And it, it does show right here what to do. There should be a one there where it says you wrote one, changed to five. And then here, just add all these up and add all these up. And then when you are scoring it, these, the second page here explains what each one means. So you may rate high on compassion satisfaction and low on burnout, or you might rate low on compassion satisfaction and in the middle on burnout. It's not all one thing, just like you were saying before. And then there's how much is secondary traumatic stress a factor. So I like this scale because it's, I feel like it has more nuance than just like, I'm exhausted from helping Mm -hmm. and that's it. You know, it shows where where our struggles are higher and where they're less. And Laura, can you, are we able to give the link for this inventory for anyone who's watching later sure. on? Yeah, great idea. So Melissa, while I get that link, how about if you, would you be willing to start talking about the the four areas and how people can address each one? Yes, Absolutely. One of the things that I was thinking about as we were talking today, there's a quote that I really love that you might have heard before as well. And it says, if you listen to your body when it whispers, then you won't have to hear it scream. Mm. And so I'm thinking about that as we're about to talk about these different domains and really thinking about how if we can be still enough to listen to our body, really being with ourselves and noting how we are feeling physically, emotionally, noticing what's happening in our relationships, what's happening spiritually for us. If we can be aware of what's happening when there's little whispers telling us what's happening, happening, and if we can respond at that time, how, how helpful that can be so that way our body doesn't get louder and louder and louder. And as I mentioned earlier, I think sometimes we can be so busy that we don't hear the whispers, we don't notice the whispers, where sometimes we feel like that's not big enough for me or important enough for me to respond to. Yes. Um, But that's just something for us to think about. You know, as therapists, we often talk about the mind-body connection. So just really noticing for that physical domain, what is, what am I noticing in my body? What are the physical sensations? that are showing up, right? Am I, have I been experiencing, have I been getting 
hot, sweaty, have I been experiencing a lot of headache or tension, upset stomach, nausea? Have I been noticing heart palpitation? What things might be showing up in my physical body? And also one of the conversations that I'm often having with people around this physical domain is people thinking my body is broken. My body is being annoying. It's doing this thing that I don't like. And I, if that has been you, I'd encourage a potential reframe in saying, what is my body doing to get my attention? That my body is so cool and it's so unique. It does these things that sometimes seem annoying in order to get my attention. And so perhaps my body is not broken, but it may be doing something to get my attention. And and if I can notice that I'm getting an upset stomach quite a bit, or I've been getting a lot of headaches or a lot of muscle tension, what is my body telling me about what I'm experiencing and what is going on? Did you want to add anything about that, Laura? Just that, yeah, I do. When you say... Here's the where you can get the rope off. When you say that my body's not broken, it's like, it's not just not broken. It, it's working exactly how it's supposed to. It's trying to help you and say, hello, hi. Yeah. Oh, Latanya, hi. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Latanya was here in my other Facebook Live. I just have to say, thank you so much, Latanya. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> it's nerve wracking doing these things. So you don't know if people are going to, find it. So <laughs> special shout out to Latanya. Thank you. And she said that this is a good tool. She's used it before and it's been a while. So she needs to take it again. Yeah. Well, good, good. Yeah. No, I agree with everything you said about the physical ways. Those are like gentle. One, one thing that you said is like the whisper. So you don't have to hear a scream. Another version of that I've heard is that your body will say, you know, it's like it comes knocking you know, hello, hi, anybody home? And you're like, don't answer the door. <laughs> and then it's, it starts banging on the door. And then it's like, you know, trying to push the door and then it's at the window and it's coming in through the window. So it's like, if you ignore it enough, it's still going to get your attention some way. Right. Who, who hasn't ever had where you never take a vacation and you finally take one. And as soon as you get there, you're sick. Yeah. And I give people the example of if you go running and later on your knee hurt, that knee pain, like your body can't communicate verbally, but it can create pain. And so that might be annoying, but that pain in your knee is going to alert you to the fact that you might need to rest, you might need some ice, you might need some heat. And if we listen to our body, then we'll respond with care. If we yeah. are not listening to our body, we'll be like, suck it up, buttercup, we run again tomorrow. <laughs> and so how do I will you- not let you hold me back from my running. <laughs> Like, running well, you're going to need me, your knee says. You're going to need me to cooperate if you want me to let you keep doing that. Yeah, until it says, oh, you didn't want to listen. Let me dig my heels and I'm going <laughs> to show you what's going to happen here. Exactly. And then in terms of the emotional domain is really just, you know, again, I think we have to be still enough sometimes to notice the emotions that are showing up. And, and what am I feeling? And the one thing, that shows up a lot in conversation is us thinking that an emotion is good or bad, positive or negative. I don't like feeling this way. How do I get rid of this feeling? And so again, I try to remind people that there's no such thing as a good or bad emotion. 
right? All emotions serve a purpose. Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. Even the ones that are uncomfortable. So it may be true that an emotion becomes problematic if we're feeling it too frequently, too intensely, or if it starts impacting our functioning, but all emotions serve a purpose. All emotions give us really great, helpful information. If we'll be curious about it, not judge ourselves for having a feeling to say, what is that emotion trying to tell me? What do I need to hear? How can I respond accordingly? How can I respond with care and compassion to that emotion? Yeah. And I think in that way, one of the things that we often feel that we don't necessarily think of as an emotion, but it reflects an emotional state. It's just feeling exhausted and physically similarly, like trouble sleeping. You know, these are things that we don't always think of as it's not pain. It's not illness, but if you're having trouble sleeping, it means you're physically impacted because sleep is going to impact you physically. Yeah. And, and even with that example, right, if I am noticing that I'm feeling really tired and I notice that, that awareness, how do I make sure that I respond appropriately, right? Like responding appropriately might be, I need to take a nap. I need to make sure that I get a good night's rest tonight. Or maybe I really need some downtime with nothing scheduled on my calendar to just relax. But maybe what is not the most helpful response would be like, well, you got to keep that busy schedule going or going to be another cup of coffee kind I'll of a day. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yes. And so responding with kindness yeah, rather than some other way, the ways that we might tend to respond. Isn't that funny, sort of, but also sad how we're so caring and compassionate towards others and we can be so insensitive and really cruel to ourselves about our own needs. Like, no, you're stupid. You shouldn't be feeling like this. You know, it's like, no, (laughs) no. Yeah. That's not nice. And where did we get this idea that we shouldn't get tired or that we shouldn't feel a certain way or that that's wrong or that our body must be acting up as opposed to our body, as you said, functioning as it is intended to, to alert us, to notify us so we can respond in a caring and compassionate way. Yeah. So Melissa, I just want to acknowledge and for everyone who's watching that it's four o'clock and I don't know if we did start late. So I don't know if you had your time cleared that you can keep going for a little bit longer. I can. Okay. And, and you? Okay. Yes. Yes. 
Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. So what about the other two domains? Where do you, where do you think to go next? Yeah. So in terms of relationships, right, I think that's another thing for us to be thinking about because when we are maybe feeling a little crispy, a little brained out, thinking about how do I start showing up in relationship? Am I finding that I'm more irritable, a little more short with people? Do I find that I'm isolating from people? Maybe I'm, I am around people, but I still feel disconnected around other people. And I think sometimes we can have go-to ways of responding. And so that might also be an opportunity to say, what does tend to be my go-to response during times of stress? Do I avoid? Do I get aggravated? What is my normal response? And just taking time to reflect on that to see how might this be showing up in my relationship? Yeah, I think one thing we, you and I may have touched on when we talked before, I believe we did, was that when we may be surrounded by people, we may have a large group of friends, a lot of people that we spend time with, but are we there? Are we present? How much are we within our family relationships? How much are we maybe avoiding conversations because we don't want something to take us down because we're just feeling so depleted as it is? Mm-hmm. Or where we're with our friends and we are not opening up to them about what's going on in our lives. Just thinking yeah. that we don't want to burden people and no one really wants to hear it. You know, those are pretty common reactions and they can really impact relationships because people want to support the people they care about. And sometimes we withdraw into ourselves and don't allow people to support us, especially if we have a strong identity of being the one who always supports everyone else. Yeah, I think that that's a huge reminder because that's a big one. People people I've heard so many times saying, I don't want to be a burden. And especially if you are a helper, right? I, you know, I often talk with the people that I work with about this, right? We're helpers, we're givers, and we're so accustomed to that. And although we want the people we help to receive our help, as a helper, we struggle with receiving. We struggle with someone else wanting to support us, wanting to give to us. It just makes us really uncomfortable sometimes. And to know that we need that too. And sometimes that means allowing ourselves to be open to an experience of, of support. Yeah. I've, again, when I, I can remember so clearly, and this was like really long time ago, like 2005, I think. I remember a time where I was working 
I was, I had a lot of responsibility on me, but I didn't, that was the baseline. And then there was one thing that happened at work that was so out of my capacity to cope. It was just something that was horrifying. It was too much to witness for me. And for whatever reason, it touched me too too painfully for me to be able to just brush it off. I mean, I think it was just because it was not normal to be able to brush it off. <laughs> but when when that happened, I tried so hard to deal with it by myself. I did not even want to tell my supervisor that I was struggling. I was, I realized that I had a fear of asking for help that was like pretty pathological because I was so afraid of asking for help that I would, I was willing to suffer the way I was and, and I really needed support. And what it took was my supervisor saying, you need to take some time off, which made me feel like I failed. I was devastated. I mean, I was crying. I was like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. She was like, oh, just go home, get some sleep. You'll feel better. Trust me. It's okay. You're doing a great job, but you just need to rest. And I I took two or three days off and everything did not collapse. And I came back and I had a really new experience of feeling supported in that way by my supervisor. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I thought you were going to mention is, our recent conversation about remote, hybrid, or in-person work. Yeah. I had told Laura about this really great book I had read about wellness in the workplace. And it had a really current research about wellness in the workplace and, and what happened with the pandemic and burnout. And one of the stats that they shared said that the people who reported the highest rates of burnout during the pandemic were people who were working 100% remotely, which I found so interesting because being in person during the pandemic was very risky and scary. And yet the people who are working from home and some people are like, oh yes, I did not do well working from home. But there are many of us, myself included, who I really love working from home. I really love doing telehealth. And yet according to their research, the highest burnout rates were reported by people who are working remotely which I think is something for us to think about. If you are a therapist and you've been working from home, that might not be the first thing that we think about when it comes to how we're feeling. Other people who maybe have shifted to remote work thinking about that. One of the bits of information that they shared in that book that relates to our relationship domain here is they said that when people are in person, it built trust with their colleagues. Yeah. And so knowing that there's something about being in person with your colleagues that builds that sense of connection and trust. And so if you have been working remotely, you haven't seen your colleagues, you haven't seen your coworkers in person, understanding that that alone might be something that can just add a little bit of rejuvenation as we're looking at this relationship domain. And if I am working from home, what in-person time do I have with other people as well? Yeah. Yeah. The first few times that I started gathering in person with people after the most intense part of the pandemic had passed, I, it was overwhelming, but it was also very exciting or rejuvenating. And it felt, you know, it's almost like, Oh, are you real? You know, it, it felt amazing. So I think 
there's a, a weird little thing that happens with us therapists where we spend hour after hour one-on-one with the people that we're working with our clients. And sometimes they're the only people we see all day if we're working remotely. So it's a one-sided relationship focused on them all day. If you work, you know, if you have a full schedule and, and then what do you do? I can imagine for so many people who have families at home, as soon as they're done with work, you know, it's like, take that hat off. Now go start cooking, taking care of children, you know, interacting with your partner, checking on how they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. And nobody knows what you were feeling, what you were witnessing. And that's how our job is. It's confidential. But if you don't have a way to release what you took in through your day, it builds up and builds up and builds up. And I do think the remote work, which has been, you know, I really enjoyed it, but also I did find that there was less of a separation. It's like, I just walk out of this room and I go and outside of that door, I'm back in my life again. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that that worksheet that we're going to share later on that burnout prevention plan talks about different strategies we can use to get stress off of our body right? If any of you have read Emily Nagoski's book on burnout, also it's written with her sister. I want to say Amanda. I don't want to eliminate I think her. that's right. I can't remember. Yeah. But you know, she's big on talking about how sometimes we focus on getting rid of the, the stressor, the thing, the situation or person that is causing our stress. And we sometimes focus less on getting the actual stress that's in our body off our body. And Mm -hmm. so really making sure that we can find strategies for not just trying to eliminate or reduce or address the stressor, the thing that's causing the stress, but really dealing with the stress that is on our body and navigating that. Yes, yes. That's, That's a great resource, that book. We should include that here. We'll put all these resources in the comments and the link is going down below there for Melissa's burnout prevention worksheet, but I'm going to include that book as well in the, on the comments. So what about the other domain we talked about, spiritual? Well, I think one thing that's important to understand, because sometimes people might eliminate that spiritual domain thinking, well, I'm not a religious person. That doesn't yeah. apply to me. That only applies to some people. Right. And so I think it's really important that people understand when we're talking about this spiritual domain, we're not strictly talking about religion, right? Right. We're talking about spirituality, a sense of connection, a belief system, worldview, and that however you identify as your belief system, we all have, we all have a belief system of some sort, right? You may not be part of structured religion, but we all have some type of worldview, some type of belief system. Values, morals, sense of right and wrong. Right. And, and also, yeah, thinking about those, our, our sense of connection, our sense of connection to yes. other people, the world, the environment, it can look different for different people. You know, I have found, <clears throat> especially if we're thinking about trauma, that sometimes it does shake our spirituality. If, if I was someone who believed in God or a higher power, Maybe I question why God would let this happen to me. Maybe I'm mad at God now. And so if I did have a belief in God or a higher power, that sometimes that is fractured. 
and my worldview has changed. And trauma also shapes our worldview. If I previously saw the world as a safe place, yes, I may no longer see it as a safe place where I can go about my business freely. And so those are some ways that I often see that come up as a result of things like trauma. Very, very much. And so if you find that you have less of a sense that the world is a safe place, less of a sense that other people are safe. If you generally feel like I hate people, that's a clue (laughs) that your, your spiritual part is of your life is impacted because, you know, I think of spirituality as, is how much are you feeling connected that you are part of something, you know, humanity and the, the, those on earth, nature, you know, a religious group, whatever. It's like trauma disconnects us from ourselves and other people and nature. So when not just by hearing about a trauma or experiencing a trauma, but when it is impacting us in that, to that level, there are things we can do. So what we wanted to encourage everyone who sees this to consider is what one change you could make in any of those domains. So kind of considering, has this impacted me in any of those ways? And you can use your score on the profile or just thinking about, hmm. And I like to, you could either write on a piece of paper, emotional, physical, spiritual, and relationships, or you could do a little box and put the four domains in there and think about one area that that might be impacting, one way that that area might be impacted and think about what is one thing you can do to change that? What's one small change you can make? So Melissa, do you have any examples of things that you do in those different sections? I'm laughing right now because I need accountability in one of those areas and I might be paying very soon for some accountability. So for example, one of the things that we can do to get stress off of our body is to move our body. Yeah. And I'm not really great at that at all. I try, I try, I try. And and I could use some a little I could use some accountability in that area to like really help me. I'm thinking about paying for some accountability to move my body, to get one, to just take care of my body. And also because we know that moving your body, preferably in enjoyable ways, is one of the ways that we can also get stress off of our bodies. That's one of the things I'm... It's so hard to do though, because we sit, we sit all day and we sit and we're like... We sit all day. And all this stuff. So I have one suggestion there. Not to deter you from paying someone, but just one thing that everyone can do. I went to a training in February with Dr. Ariel Schwartz, who I am a huge admirer of her work. And she's a yoga teacher and she knows a lot about polyvagal theory. And she says that she told us in this training that every 45 minutes, your body needs to move. That's just your, that's the human rhythm is that every 45 minutes, we need some kind of movement. So, Therapists all know we usually have 45 to 50 minute sessions. And then if we don't have a break in between, it's just back to back to back. So at least at the end of each session, you could stand up and just simply rotate your ankles 
and then rotate your wrists and maybe shake your hands. And I'm not standing right now, but you can do this standing and just you can shake your feet, shake your hands, shake your legs, your arm, let your neck, your shoulders move. You can do it seated too. You don't have to be standing. <sighs> See, my body just took a, <laughs> it did that by itself. It took that deep breath. That's like a reset. I can feel my nervous system settling. Even that small, tiny thing I just mm-hmm. did. Yeah. So if you were to do that throughout the day after each session, it's like a way of releasing some tension that's building while you're sitting there. And, you know, another thing is just like to wash your hands, wash, put some cold water over your hands and like imagine what you were just hearing about. Anything that was distressing, just washing away, sending, you know, now I'm bringing in spiritual, but you can send like positive vibes Mm -hmm. to that person or give yourself some compassion or give the other person loving kindness you can send to them from your mind. (laughs) If you believe in that, I do. Yeah, those are great examples. So we don't always have to pay someone to get us to move. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that the point I want to make there is that it doesn't have to be a big thing mm-hmm. to be impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some other things that can be helpful are just listening, like yeah. slowing down, listening to our body, like our body's physical sensations, paying attention to the emotion, not judging our body for whatever it's doing, not judging the emotion. And from there, being curious about what that physical sensation or emotion is about and then responding with care. Exactly. So that's a big part of what we're sharing here is that it's about slowing down, tuning in, and then just doing the simplest thing. So if your emotional self is impacted, what's one thing you could do that would tend to your emotional self could be just taking a moment to journal. I'm getting tears in my eyes through in and out of this whole conversation because I'm feeling a a range of emotions as we talk. And when I think about my emotional self and I think about my mom's roof, (laughs) you know, it upsets me. Mm -hmm. So if I take some time to be with those feelings and actually let them be there instead of trying to push them away so that I can get something else done that I need to do. That's like, you know, taking a moment to come to me and just be with myself just for a minute. Then you can go deeper with it or you can make it just a short thing. Many therapists like to do some kind of process, emotional process, non-verbally after each session. For example, you could have on a, you could have like a little notebook and you could just do some kind of simple art practice, you know, take a colored pencil or marker and just do a squiggle or something to connect to what you felt from that session. Because we're not sitting there being with people so intently, listening so compassionately and not actually feeling anything. (laughs) I know in school, we think that that's what we're actually supposed to be able to do. But how would we meet the person? It would be artificial. If you weren't, if you weren't bringing your real emotional self to it, then it would, you wouldn't be really meeting them in where, whatever they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And even tending to our bodies during the day, right? If we are in back-to-back meetings, if we have a busy schedule and whatever setting you work in, I know for me, if I did not sleep 
I'm like an adamant believer in getting a good night's sleep. Me too. Waking up early to go to the airport is like my least favorite thing. And I probably have at least like two beverages on my desk at all times, maybe more. Just making sure that you're hydrated. Yeah, making sure that you're hydrated, kind of nurturing your body, making sure that you're eating regularly. I know for me, even those most basic things like food and nutrition, if I am not hydrated, if I'm not eating regularly, my brain is not working properly. Right. And so if you, if it's 2 or 3 p.m. and you're like, oh, have I had lunch today? Did I even eat breakfast? Then without any shame or judgment, if that's happening for me, then I know that I'm overriding my body's natural messages that it needs food to function. And that means I'm not really fully present in my body. I'm just so focused on the other, whether it's work or a person that I'm not, I'm abandoning myself. I'm abandoning, abandoning my own needs. And I say that again, I don't mean it judgmentally because I do this. <laughs> so I'm saying it's just something that I have to know about myself and really pay attention to and really tune into what my body is telling me. So you know, we often ignore our need to go to the bathroom, eat, mm -hmm. and try yeah. to artificially make ourselves stay awake when we're exhausted. Yes, let's not forget going to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> right? Basic. You're like self-care, going to the bathroom. You know that, <laughs> you know that we've yes. stay. I mean, yeah. I had, I, I started a job one time where on day one, my supervisor told me, I asked where the bathroom was and she said, oh, it's down there. But I've trained my bladder not to go until four o'clock when I'm done with work. And I was like, well, I won't be doing that. Right. That's not a healthy. I wasn't even independently licensed yet. And that was what was being modeled by my supervisor. I was like, oh, uh-uh. Yeah. I didn't work there that long. I've heard the same thing about teachers and like high rates of kidney infections from just holding it all day. Like, yeah, to listen Nurses to your body. Nurses no, yes, we got to listen to our body in those most basic ways. You know, I often tell people if you have ever babysat or if you have children or nieces or nephews and you ever cared for them or your own children, you know, like your children get into a routine. They go to bed at this time, wake up at this time, they take a nap at this time. Yeah, They're on the eating schedule. You know, they don't get a cookie until after they've had this thing. <laughs> you know, we have all these things that we do for our children. Then we have like their bedtime routine when it's time to get them into bed and, you know, how we feed them, you know, but thinking about how those routines are so important so we don't have cranky children. So they're not having temper tantrums. They're not all moody. And yet I think that sometimes when we become adults, we think that we no longer have to abide by some of those same practices. Because I'm an adult, I can maybe, pull, you know, manage my emotions differently. Or if I don't eat, you know, it'll be fine. But we don't feel well either. If we don't sleep, if we don't eat properly, we get groggy or irritable or yeah. moody. We, Just know, because we're adults doesn't mean we don't have human needs anymore. Right. And so knowing some of those basic practices that we would be so diligent about if we had children, right, to know that it's okay for us to get into, you know, a schedule or routine that's healthy for us too. Yeah, being a grown up doesn't mean just not taking care of yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking that's okay and normal. Yeah. So Kristen, 
Christine, I believe, mentioned moving our bodies between sessions is such an important practice that's built-in accountability to end sessions on time, which I can struggle to do in certain seasons. I agree, Christine, and I'll say too that I know when I'm getting too exhausted and burned out when I'm having trouble ending my sessions on time. I mean, once in a while, things, there's a crisis or there's something that just needs a little bit more time and that's just how it is. But if it's becoming where every time I can never get to ending when I was planning to, that tells me that I'm I'm not, my kind of energetic boundaries are too loose now. And it's because of the impact here of what's happening. So relationally, we talked about how being in person can be a really good way to, yes, Christine said, same, when I get crispy, I'm too tired to be diligent. Yeah, yeah, and it sneaks up on you. So no shame. Thank you for your comments. So why don't you tell people about what you offer that's in person, Melissa. And because this is a great example, and I have experienced it myself, of how we can tend to the relational part of our our lives. Yeah, so maybe a year ago, I had been seeing a lot of people in our therapy community saying, hey, I'm feeling really lonely. I'm feeling really disconnected. I want to meet other people. And also there are a lot of people who are like, I... I don't really like networking. It feels a little cheesy or superficial. I don't love that. But I was just seeing a lot of people saying how lonely and disconnected they felt. And at that same time, I was also thinking about how can I do more hosting? I love hosting. I love people bringing people together. And I'm like, that's not really what you do. So I had also been like brainstorming for a few months about how can I do this thing that I really love? And so these two worlds kind of came together and I put out a survey and I said, hey, if we created a membership where therapists could get together on a monthly basis in person to build organic, authentic relationships on an ongoing basis with other therapists while having fun, would you be interested? And so we had a good number of therapists who were interested. And so currently we are doing round two of our clinician community membership for greater Baltimore area therapists who literally we get together every single month for the purpose of having fun. But also I I do believe really that this, this community can be an antidote to burnout or one of them. There's many paths, many yes. options, but it is an opportunity for us to actually physically step away from things that might be creating stress. It's an opportunity for us to prioritize ourselves, our own self-care, take time out for us where we're not caregiving. And also we're not responsible for the planning. I gotcha. Yes. Um, And we're doing something that's fun. And that's for myself included. I love hosting. I love planning. And some of the activities that we're going to be doing are activities that I love. And there are also activities that I probably wouldn't pursue if it were just me. Like I'm probably not going to be like, hey, Melissa, me and you go to a candle making class. Let's go kayaking, but I will do it if we have a group of people who are together. So I get to benefit just as much as everybody else. And so we have extended registration for that into July. July is our next, is our next gathering. It's a year long membership. So you get to know people over a year, but in July, we're going on a little cruise together on at the inner harbor. Cool. So for people who are in the greater Baltimore area, Melissa's membership is really fun. I was in it the first go around. That was six months. And it was 
it was super fun. The only reason I didn't sign up the next time is because I don't live that close to there. And it's just kind of hard for me to get, it's like an hour drive. <laughs> so it's just hard for me to get myself there. But what I love about it is that for one, it's not just for networking. So it's not like show up and be a professional and tell everyone who you are and why they should send you referrals or join your thing. It's also just, it's kind of about you as a person and just having fun. And I, we did, I only, I think I only went to one of the meetings out of six, but you came on an interesting day, Laura. We've had a fun game of like some kind of funny catching a ball in a cup. It wasn't pong, beer pong, but it was like, it was a, it was an opportunity. Honestly, it was moving our bodies. We were laughing our heads off and getting to know other people. It was so fun. And whether it's Melissa's community or the other, there's so many different ways, but people are doing things like for therapists and, and, and if you're not a therapist, there are ways to gather for things like this, like going hiking for self-care where you're in nature and you're experiencing the benefits of nature and you're with other people, but maybe you're all walking in a line and it doesn't have to be super intense. You know, not everybody staring at you and asking you how you feel. It's just, you're kind of connecting with yourself while you're in a group and you're in a beautiful environment. There are art therapy groups, mindfulness groups, hiking groups that aren't for self-care, just for hiking, you know, social sports leagues. And then there are things that are online too, including my membership, which is is only for trauma therapists. I'm going to put that in the bottom. There you go. So Latanya is already a member, but for anyone who's interested in learning about that, you can, you can find the link and we'll put these in the comments too. It's, it's an online community for therapists only, and it is work focused, but we are also focusing on the self therapist and on the impact of our work and supporting one another in community. Because as a trauma therapist, I think we do see and hear things that people who don't use that perspective wouldn't necessarily understand. And it's nice to just be with a group of other people who get it. But we're not, you know, we're not, it's not like a burned out group of people who are bashing clients and complaining about work. That's not what it is. It's a group of people who really love our work. We love we feel honored to be able to do it and we want to take care of ourselves and keep doing our work really well. So if that's something that people are interested in, we we have live calls four times a month and they're all recorded if you can't be there live. So you can get all the information at that link. Okay, that was a long spiel I just said. There's so many ways that you can find to connect with other people. So thinking about like, what are my personal relationships like? What are my family relationships? What are my romantic relationships like? What are my friendships like? What are my relationships with my children if I'm a parent or with my parents if I'm not a parent, but I am a child. We're all a child. <laughs> the relational piece, I think, is it's the first thing to go. And we can be isolated and not even recognize that we are. So we don't, we just think, no, it's fine. I don't want to be around other people. And I think because of the pandemic, it's made it easier to kind of hide mm -hmm. in your house and feel like, that's okay. I don't need to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. 
kind of normalize that, you know? Yeah. And, and so knowing, I think also is that once we recognize some of these things, really giving ourselves permission to take care of our body or our relationships in the way that they need to, whether it's joining a community or a sport or whatever that might be, really giving ourselves permission rather than saying, I don't have time for that or whatever reasons we might have, but really giving ourselves permission to, to meet our needs and to take care of ourselves. Yeah, I, I think as we wrap up for now, I want to share something that a guest I had on the podcast maybe a year or two ago, Zulma Rea, she said, listen to this still small voice within. And I always think about that because if you tune into what's happening inside of yourself, and you just ask yourself, I mean, when I first started getting really more in touch with my inner world and not just what, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't need anything. I would close my eyes and just put my hand on my heart and be like, what do I need? Every time I did it immediately, an answer would come. It was usually I have to go to the bathroom, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, something like that. But my body was telling me right there what I needed. If I would just slow down, tune in, it would say, I'm lonely, I'm scared, tired, I'm hungry, I need to go to the bathroom. And if I could just practice giving that small voice inside my attention, it's, it's so much better for our well-being. For our well-being, which then a ripple effect, right? When we're well, that helps our families. If you have a business, you know, it, there's a community. A and sometimes I think we, we're like, well, I'm going to take care of myself for these other people. And if that's where you're at and that is the thing that starts to move you, okay. If that's what and, you need to do, go ahead. Yes, if that's what you need, okay. <laughs> and know that you taking care of yourself because you're worthy of your own care and compassion, that's enough place to start. Yes. Yes. So I guess for a final thought, that reminds me of another quote, which I'm not sure I've heard it attributed to different people, but it comes from sort of the Buddhism and it's you yourself are as worthy as anyone else of your own compassion. We all, just because we exist, we deserve to treat ourselves with love and kindness. And if if we're feeling like we're, we veered away from that, we can come back. So I hope that this conversation started late and went a little longer than I had expected, but I hope that it will inspire those of you who watch to know that you don't have to lose yourself. You can find your way back. There, there's tiny little things you can do that will make a difference. Keep going, keep hoping. Yeah. Melissa, thank you so much for doing this with me. You know, this is so fun. <laughs> yes. And who would have thought when we met two weeks ago that we would be here today? I know. Not, we didn't first meet for the first time ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those who are, wow, they seem like they really know each other. <laughs> no, but I know exactly. I didn't even know if we'd really be able to do this. So thank you yeah. so much. Here we are. Thank you for organizing that. Yeah. So we'll pit. All of these links that we shared across the bottom in the comments below and share our websites in case you want to get in touch with us and ask any questions. And Melissa, thank you again for doing this with me today. Thank you too, Laura. 
Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached to see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you.